Welcome to the Waves Ministry Podcast, where we equip girls in knowing their identity and calling. I'm your host, Caroline Hare, the founder of Waves Girls Conference. It's a joy to bring some encouraging conversations, messages, and coaching that will give girls tools for life and ministry. We believe that you can start making waves for Christ in your home, community, and world today. We have some amazing guests that are doing just that. Before we hear today's conversation, I want to ask that you would leave a five-star review and share this episode with at least one friend that you think might like it or need it. I'd also love to connect with you on Instagram, so find me at Caroline Hare or at Waves Girls Conference. Okay, let's get on with our conversation. Well, hey girls, we are on season five of our Waves Ministry podcast, and we have a special treat today. Um, we have a young lady named Jessie Green that is joining the podcast today. Hey, Jessie. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yes, we are so excited. Girls, if you do not know who she is, um, she is a fireball, <laughs> is what I would <laughs> like to say. I'm like, man, like she is just a fireball. We were just talking a second ago about some common uh, connections that we have. And it's, it's always neat to con- make kingdom connections with people that are on fire for God. But she is more than just a revivalist. She is a revivalist in her home, her community, and in the world. And um, she does it with her family, um, but also on the road and all over the place that she is just <laughs> kingdom come, will be done, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is all what we are about. And um, she has a global revival movement called Saturate, which if you have not followed it on social media and keeping up with it, it is awesome to see what God is doing in and through her and her family. Um, I love, I love your story of just how you came to know the Lord, um, and just such a radical, radical time and how it propelled you to go do this mission work and be all over the world. Um, just doing ministry and just really that baptism by fire <laughs> and learning. I just love that. So we are so excited to have you to, to today, Jesse, but I want to ask you, I just gave your bio, but like, tell us some things about you that is not like on the back of your book or not, <laughs> not just like the typical <laughs> website definition of Jesse Green. Tell us a little bit about you. Um, yeah. So um, I grew up in a Christian home. I went to church every Sunday, but I would definitely say that my Christianity was more of just like a checkbox Christianity. I wasn't really following Jesus. And I went to college. I was in a sorority. I started working in the nightclub industry and really was pursuing everything that the world said, like would bring you joy, would bring you happiness. You know, all the TikToks and Instagrams you see about manifestation and manifesting things for yourself. Like I was definitely in that camp. Um, I would say if I would have stayed in that camp, I probably would have been a leader of like the new (laughs) age movement. Um, And I had crazy depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts um, that I think a lot of people don't realize when they do that stuff that they're opening a door to really, um, torment. And so I, yeah, I got radically saved, um, in my apartment and just really wanted to follow a real living Jesus. Um, not necessarily just a Jesus that was good enough for church attendance, but I really wanted to know like, wow, if God's real and you can talk to him and you can, have your life transformed, then that seems like the most important thing that people should be thinking about. And so I 
did what I thought you should do as a Christian, and I became a missionary, traveled around the world as a missionary, um, just really learning about God and what different cultures were teaching about Jesus. And since then, I've moved to New York City, um, started several businesses in New York, um, got married in New York to my amazing husband, Parker. Um, we both were in ministry in New York City for several years. And then the Lord brought us to California. Uh, it cost us everything to move to California, but we really just wanted to make disciples and reach the lost and be a part of a revival. And um, since then, we led several revivals throughout California, Kentucky, um, North Carolina, um, really all over the place. <laughs> and um, it really just started off with like simple obedience and really just radical acts of faith. And I, I, t I just wrote a book called Wildfires and kind of share the journey into it, mostly because I love revival history, but so often in revival history, there's no story of like, well, how did that person like get there? Like, how did they start right. the second great awakening or, right. <laughs> um, you know, and so many of the preachers that I love, they talk about like what they're doing now, but I'm like, well, what was it like when like no one cared about anything you had to say? Like, what was that journey like? Right. And so I really wanted to write a book um, and about like the whole process in the journey of what got me from point A to B um, and really try to be as transparent as possible. And so I'm really passionate about people feeling like they themselves can be ignited by God and live the radical life that he has for them, but it is a process and it is a journey. And I think that um, so few people know how to even go on that, that journey, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Well, it's like we see people where they are in that day and we don't know how they got there. And it's like, we need a little bit of encouragement. <laughs> Absolutely. Know? And I think so many times for our listeners, like that are teenagers or youth pastors that are, are listening, it's like, Okay, well, how do I get there? So I love, I love that about your book. That's amazing. Okay, so I have to ask, I know you're on the road all the time and you're going all the time, but whenever it comes to that, okay, I know for me, I just got home last night from a trip in ministry and I was jamming out to some music. I got to know, like, what is your go-to music right now or your go-to road trip music that it's like, gets you amped, it gets you going? Like, what is it? Okay, so it's actually pretty funny because, um, like, everyone sees me, like, when I'm preaching or even just even on social media, like, I'm, like, even with my friends, I have, like, more of, like, a life of the party personality, super outgoing, like, I've never met a stranger in my life, like, I just love fun and I'm high energy um, and just... I don't know, full of excitement. But what's funny is when I'm listening to music, I'm actually like super emo and more like melancholic. <laughs> um, my husband always teases me that he's like, you only listen to music that's like minor keys. Um, <laughs> so even this morning, just preparing for today, I like I have a record player in my room that was like in our RV with us. 
And I like listening to like Bonnie Vare and like Mumford and Sons. Okay. And I was a poetry major in college. Okay. And I have like this super like emo side to me. You're in all <laughs> so, of the feelings, right? <laughs> yes. And I love it. And I like love the feels and I like love when it's raining and going onto the beach and just like, <laughs> so, so it's like something that people never know about me, but yeah. So that's why I love you asking that question because it's like you definitely wouldn't think that no, just from no. my personality. No, that is so funny. That's amazing. That's really cool. Okay, so I, now that you um, actually, let me tell you a little secret that uh, I never told sure. anyone. Okay, so a funny little secret about the music too is I actually only like live worship music. I actually don't like listening to worship music just around the house. And that's another thing when people stay with us or live with us, they're surprised that like, I don't play worship all the time, (laughs) but I like, I, my husband and I always like love being in worship or even like we'll worship around the house, like, or my husband will pick up a guitar and play, Right. but I can't just like listen to recorded worship for some reason. And it's just like this weird little thing. Like, it's recorded. It's not real. Yeah, <laughs> it <is>, you know, <laughs> exactly. It's like this weird thing. That is so funny. That's awesome though. <laughs> I feel like I have a totally different picture of y'all in the house now. Like, Oh, totally. <laughs> that's so funny. Okay. So, um, I got to ask I me, mean, our ministry is called waves. So, and I know for me, like the Lord speaks to me at the ocean. And even if you don't like the beach, I feel like the Lord can use it. Um, how has, can you think of a moment where man, like God really impacted you on the beach? There was something significant that happened while you were there, what's your most impactful moment at the beach that you've had? So I would actually say like, besides my salvation moment in my bedroom, after that, every single significant moment in my life has happened near a body of water. So it's part of the reason. (laughs) Yeah. It's part of the reason why we even named our ministry saturate. um, And our churches are called salt. Um, because the Lord just speaks us so much by the water. Even when we moved to North Carolina, um, everyone was like, are you going to move to Texas? Are you going to move to, and I was like, no, I have to be by water. Um, and I'm actually working right now on a book about, um, this vision that I had about seven waves of revival that are coming, um, which is perfect for your podcast. Exactly. But Yeah, I think um, every single time, but I would say probably the most significant time um, was when I was in Byron Bay, Australia, and uh, my husband and I, this was before we had kids, I actually got pregnant on that trip, so it's kind of a funny story, but um, we were in Byron Bay, Australia, we were up really early, and we were going for a surf at like 5 a.m. before the sunrise, we wanted to be on the water while the water was coming up. And I was just standing on the shoreline and like the sun was just starting to peak up. And it's like when everything's glistening with that like orange and golden color. And it just feels like magical for a moment. And I just said to the Lord, I said, you know, God, I just want like all of you, like I just, everything that you have to offer, I just want that. And I wrote about this a little bit in the chapter Drown, 
but I, I just said to God, just whatever it is that you have, I just want all of you. And it was almost like this whole paradigm shift of my entire faith happened in that moment where the Holy Spirit said to me so clearly, he said, Jesse, I'm not withholding from you. Like what's available for you is just like this ocean. And so it's really just like, how deep do you want to go into everything that I have for you? And all of a sudden it changed. It was a huge paradigm shift for me of feeling like, like God was like holding all these secrets. And it was like, like just, I don't know, confusion all the time and not knowing, not realizing that like, if I just would yield everything, just go in, start just saying, you know, all I want is Jesus. Then all of a sudden the things that I was looking for were just in that. And so I've really still been on this journey and my favorite verse, it says like deep calls to deep in the like roars of your waves or the roars of your waterfalls, depending on the transition. But I just love that. It's like, there's a depth to the love of God and it's for us to search out and to just go all in into it. That is so, so good. I love that. Like, it's crazy to me. I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think a lot of my pivotal moments in my faith have happened at the beach. Um, and I, I totally get that because it's like that moment of going, okay, it's all yours. Like, it's so vast. I can't even understand how vast this is. Um, but you being willing to just say yes, it's so beautiful. Um, okay. So I know for, for us, like we really want girls to be making waves for Christ. Right. And it's like, well, how does one even go about making waves for Christ? Like, what does that look like? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I think the first thing is, is like just defining, like, what does a wave do? Right. So if you're going to create a wave for Christ, then like waves are their movement. It's, it's action. There's, um, there it's like shifting the shore so for example like when a big wave comes the shoreline changes and i think that we need to realize that as christians as followers of jesus we should have a catalytic nature to us which means that we're not just listening to whatever culture says we're not just looking like everyone around us but we should be catalyzing movement we should even if it's a small movement so That's why I love discipleship, because I think first and foremost, um, discipleship is the easiest, most practical way to start movement. It's a movement within one other person. And so you're just saying to one other person, listen, I just want to help you follow Jesus. Let's read scripture together. Let's do what it says together. Um, There's all sorts of different courses you could do on discipleship, but I would say most simply and practically, it's like, follow me as I follow Christ. And so personally, it's like living the kind of life that someone says, wow, like their life examples what a follower of Jesus should look like. And then it's taking someone else on that journey with you. And so um, I would say first and foremost, the easiest way is finding one other person and saying, you know, how can I help this other person look more like Jesus? That is so good. That is so good. I think a lot of times people see, um, see people and they're like, man, like they've got these huge platforms. They've got these huge, um, you know, just crowds and all these different things. And it's like, 
really so much of the change happens in that one-on-one and that just as Jesus did that follow me model (laughs) of just like, Hey, come on, like, let's go. Um, there's so much that can be taught in that model and that's the way that Jesus did it. So why wouldn't we, um, you know, I think so many people, they want to have an impact, like, right. Like I think all of us across the globe are like, we want to have an impact, like whether it's like what you were talking about. earlier, like with the new age stuff, like we're just trying to make an impact, whatever it looks like. Um, but to be making waves for Christ, like I, it's easy to do it one time, but to keep it going requires some like character and some core values. So like, what are some of the core values that you would say, man, you need these core values in your life in order to be consistently making waves? Yeah, I love this question because um, obviously people will see like the fruit of like these disciplines, these characteristics, these things that we you do in secret, right? And then they're like, whoa, thousands of people showed up to Kentucky, like God's so amazing. And you're like, well, yeah, but there's, there's also <laughs> a job that we have to do. And I mean, like you just can't go to a field and then like people are going to just show up. There's things that I think need to happen in private where God can say, you know, okay, I will pour out my spirit on this. Um, I will pour out favor. I think sometimes we don't recognize that Jesus himself, it says that he grew in favor with both God and man. Hmm. And so we have to ask, okay, well, if Jesus himself had to grow in favor, Hmm. then maybe it's not something that just like you pray about and then God just gives you favor, but maybe there are certain things that we can do in private that help us to grow in favor with both God, which is so crazy that you can grow in favor with God. Right. And then in, in response to that, then grow in favor with man. And so I think first and foremost, spiritual disciplines um, are one of the most often overlooked things. Um, I know people talk about all the time, like there's no revival without prayer. And you look at revival history, there's no revival without prayer. But I don't know how many people are willing to actually like daily wake up early in the morning and pray and ask the Lord like, okay, God, what is it that you're doing? What is it that you're passionate about, God? Because I think so often we're taught and demonstrated that like our prayers are just about us. Then we're wondering why we're not seeing any kind of movement happen. And so I think it's really important to like realize that most of your prayer life should be asking God what he's thinking about. Right. (laughs) Not, not just talking to him about your life. And obviously you should, but I think it's, it's really important to actually be seeking out the Lord, asking him his plans. Um, every single thing that we've done has been God's idea. And and I'm going to really emphasize this because, um, everything that we've done has been God's idea. And not only that, but it cost us laying down our idea. Mm. And I think that that's something that people don't realize is that um, to enter into the thing that the Lord has for you, I would say nine out of 10 times, um, the, the price tag on that is you laying down something, whether it's a mindset of how you think it should be done, whether it's um, 
like finances, whether it's sometimes relationships. I mean, I've sold and given away all of my belongings three times in the last 10 years. So I love, like I've gone to Christian conferences before where preachers will be like, yes, like we want an ax church. And like back then they said they sold everything that they had and had everything in common. Like God would never ask us to do something like that right now, but like we should have unity. But, and I'm like, actually he might, like he mm-hmm. might actually ask you to lay everything down. And the issue isn't about God wanting all your stuff. It's about him wanting your heart. And are you willing to do it? You know? Right. Which yes is greater. Right. Exactly. So I know like for you and we see, I think we see people like you that, and we're like, man, like it happened overnight. And what you said about the disciplines and stuff, there's so much that has to be laid down and that, in that continual lay down process. But, and even just knowing our identity as a child of God and that it's like, okay, I have, even if I lay it all down, like I have access to everything, being able to know that. Like, when did you first come to really understand your identity as a child of God? Um, I would say it's still something I'm working out. I mean, I, my husband is probably like so much better at this (laughs) than I am. Um, He like really functions well in like sharing like the love of the father and the spirit of adoption. And I know for me, like the thing that creeps up the most is like that orphan mentality of God's going to leave me. I'm all by myself. Like, and that's when I start to think those things, I actually like my own discipline for myself Um, and I would actually encourage this for any young leader is that's when I know I need to stop ministering and I need to pause and get into the secret place. And it's really hard. And I, I know that people say that all the time, but I'll tell you, like when you have thousands of people showing up to your events and the LA times showing up and BBC news, it takes a level of, I would say, the best way to say it is like more than anything, more than revival, more than the crowds. Like, I just want to be someone that the Lord looks at and says like, well done, good and faithful servant. And I just don't want my heart to get destroyed in the process of leading revival. And so for me, when there are thousands of people there, when I feel like my heart is like getting shaky and needs some work, I'm like, you know what? That's more important than the thousands of people that are showing up. So we need to pause what we're doing, recalibrate and get back into the presence of God and not do another thing until we feel like we are like short up there. And I think that's why so so many ministers burn out is because their ministry has become an idol. And they're not doing the hard work. They're not doing the things that, um, require sacrifice. Absolutely. (laughs) I think that, um, I think you're right. Like so many people don't take the time aside to say, okay, I need to do the hard work of hard work. And, And it's like, and I am so guilty of that myself. Like there's been times in ministry where I've gone, Okay. And then the Lord forces you to stop. Right. Right. (laughs) And it's like you naturally build in those times that it's like, okay, 
this is, you know, and I think you're right. The minute you sense that being able to stop what you're doing and say, okay, we got to get the heart positioning realigned. <laughs> That's so good. Totally. That's so, so good. Now, whenever it comes to, um, your calling, when did you first really start to understand like what your calling is and like what you feel called to do? Um, I always tell people the best way to discover your calling is to basically look at scripture and try all the things that you see and then see what things start to resonate. That's right. <laughs> um, I know this sounds so funny and maybe probably has never been preached before, but um, as I was looking through the scripture and just even reading about like John the Baptist, like he really just stood out to me and I felt like weirdly connected to the person of John the Baptist in scripture. And I just really started to think about like, wow, this is so important. Like it was so important that John the Baptist was out there baptizing people. And I really just started to like dive deep into that and asking the Holy Spirit questions about that. And I would say through scripture and then through like, okay, well, I'm going to just start baptizing people. Like every time I share the gospel, I'm going to just baptize them right away. And I would say I really discovered a lot of my calling through like reading the word of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to point out things to me that like seem significant. Um, And honestly, it wasn't like, this is not popular opinion, but like it wasn't through trying to discover my calling or discover my identity. It was through trying to discover more about Jesus and what the Holy Spirit wanted to do and just saying like, okay, Lord, I'll do anything and trying lots of different things. I mean, like I've been a pastor of a church and I would say like that was a wrong fit and like everything about pastoring like sort of like frustrated me and it doesn't mean that pastoring is bad. It just like wasn't within like how God created me, but he did create so many amazing people to pastor really well. And so I think it's like, like trying things out, trying like, okay, when I pray for people, like, what am I like passionate about? What, what problems arise that I like stay up at night thinking about when I read the scripture, what seems like really interesting to me and paying attention to those things. I think that's so, that's so, so good. Cause it's one of those things that like, whenever you're seeking the Lord, that's whenever he's going to be starting to show you and refine you of saying, this is what I have for you. This is your assignment. Right. Um, I totally. think, right. I think people kind of grasp on, they're just like trying to like grab onto any, they're like, well, I'll try this. I'll try this. I'll try this. And I think there is a discovery phase that we go through. I know I've, I've talked openly about um, I've done student ministry or teen ministry for a long time, but there was a season where um, I was put in an HR role within the church and I was like, dude, can't do it. <laughs> I was like, I'll try anything once, but like, no, thank you. <laughs> you yeah. know, and I think it, it's good. Like the moment that you realize you're like, okay, this is, this is not what you have for me. I need to get back on track. That's huge. Um, totally. So what has been kind of the process for you as you've taken this like calling to baptize people and to speak the word of truth and, and to really just kind of be that, that John the Baptist kind of, kind of example, what has it been like to take that plus the identity piece and put them together to walk them out? 
Yeah, I would say the first time ever would have been in 2016, and I was speaking at a conference in Georgia, and as I was preaching, it was the first time I was speaking at a big conference that was not hosted by, and essentially the leader of that conference just said, like, do whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And it was the first time someone ever said that to me. And I think I'd never really done that before, if I'm totally honest. Yeah. And so I was used to like preaching on series or like a conference having a theme, but the they were like, just do whatever. And I was like, okay, like, I don't even know what that looks like. And so as I was preparing my message, I just kept hearing like rivers of living water will flow through them. Rivers of living water will flow through them. And then the Lord was like, get baptisms ready. And the conference had no baptismals or anything. And I was like, no, I think we need to like have baptismals ready. And so they filled up a pickup truck with like liner and water. And I ended up preaching this message and then inviting people to be baptized in the back of this pickup truck. And 75 people came up and were baptized in the back of this pickup truck. And all of a sudden I like, I just felt so alive. And I, we saw demons coming out of people as they were being baptized, people receiving the baptism of the Holy spirit. And I just thought like, gosh, I could do this every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> and that's like, I think when that touch point like really happened. That is beautiful. I love how God like gave you a divine setup in that moment that it's like, let's just give you a taste, a taste and see of like what's <laughs> totally to come, you know, um, that is so, that is so, so neat. I love that. Um, okay. So for, for us, like in 2021, we decided we're like, okay, as a waves ministry, like we want to relook at our core values and, um, just what is it, what are the core values of a waves girl? Like how, what do those look like? And the things that we really kind of came up with is just that, you know, like waves girls, girls that are making an impact, they're worshipers. Like they live a life of worship, um, that they are advancing, like advancing in their relationship with God, advancing the kingdom, that they are vocal, that they are willing to speak, that they're willing to say the things that need to be said, um, that they're able to lead by example and be vocal in that way. Um, but they're engaging heaven, engaging others, um, whether that be in the community or in the world, um, and that they're solid, that they, they're like unwavering in, in their, in their spiritual disciplines and their way of life, um, and connecting with God. And so just as we've kind of been rediscovering those, those core values, like how have you walked those specific ones out in your own home community and world? Yeah. I mean, I would say all of those core values definitely resonate. We're actually reestablishing our ministry's core values right now. So it's funny that you even mentioned that um, because we're really working out like, okay, if someone's involved like with leading Saturate or part of our team, like what are some of the non-negotiables right. of our ministry? And I would say one of the ones that we definitely share in common is that like unwavering just ability to just stand. And um, I think like a waves girl and like a saturate attendee, what we have in common too is just this like resilience to push it through yes. and the ability to say maybe the hard things, but say out of a place of conviction, out of a place of love, out of a place of revelation. 
And so um, I think so many times I see on social media where people are like, well, this is just the truth and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, but if there's no revelation on that truth, if it's just a truth for truth's sake, then it's going to fall on fallow ground. That's right. But I know there are times that I've, sh- I've spoken hard truths before, but it's like, like talking about stuff like abortion. That's like such a sensitive right. subject. But I feel like a waves girl talks about things out of this depth of revelation, out of this depth of compassion. And so even when I talk about difficult, hard things like abortion, I'm saying it out of this place of conviction, out of love, where when I'm sharing about it, the person listening, whether they've had a thousand abortions or they're the most pro-life person ever and thinks that this should never exist, I think both people can receive that message from me because my heart's desire is to bring truth for the sake of freedom, for the sake of life, and not for the sake of condemnation. And I think that um, as women, especially, as we're getting more authority in our voices, as we're speaking the truth, um, that we remember that like one of the most amazing things about women is how encouraging we are. And the power that comes when we bless one another, when we don't compete with one another, And I think that our messages will go even further when we like speak out of that pure place, you know? Absolutely. I love that. Thank you for, for just sharing that. I know that, um, so many times you're right. Like whenever it comes from a pure place, that's when people can receive it. Cause I think us girls, we can get in that mean girl stance and it's like, and and it's not just girls. It's not just yeah. girls. Like you see it, you see it so prevalent, like so prevalent on social media that it's just totally. nature. And it's like his kindness leads us to repentance, right? Not his harshness <laughs> leads us to repentance, right. right? Like his kindness, like leads us to change. And so um, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I know that I enjoy, I'm just keeping up with you and like what God, not just keeping up with you, but what God is doing in and through you guys and your ministry. Um, but how can people kind of stay in touch with you? What are some ways that people can get involved um, or even just learn more? Uh, so uh, our ministry website is saturateglobal.com. And um, you can sign up to join our team. So whenever we do events on the road, we contact everyone that signed up for that. Um, Be a part of like baptizing people and praying for people. Um, And then also my website is jessiegreen.com and just J-E-S-S-I and then green like the color. So there's no E's on the end of anything. And um, you can go there and I have some messages and resources available as well. Um, And then we're always on YouTube and on Instagram. And so we're doing, we just are in the process of building a studio space at our new house. So we'll be doing a lot more content on there. So um, a lot more trainings and stuff like that. So you can get involved with all of that through YouTube or Instagram. My Instagram's, um, at jesse.green. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jesse. Um, well, girls, um, we have just enjoyed, I know that I have enjoyed having you on here, Jesse, and we really appreciate it. And, um, we just hope girls that today, these words from Jesse, um, will just help encourage you to start making waves. Thank you for listening to the waves ministry podcast. For more information about our ministry, check out our website, wavesgirlsconference.com, and our social media at wavesgirlsconference. 
Today, we hope you start making waves in your home, community, and world.